Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome, warriors. Tonight, our selection is from Dialeri's Book of Norse Myths by Ingri and Edgar. Karen Dialari. Tonight, we'll be diving into those ancient times in the frigid mountains of the north to hear the story of how courageous warriors like you would meet their gods with honor and join the ranks of the legendary heroes that would one day be called upon for the last battle to save the universe. So not only were the Vikings totally badass but their very belief system was predicated on their strength, courage, mastery, and honor in battle. Viking culture was warrior culture through and through. Their spiritual system and culture reminds us of so many things. To live every day like it's our last. To respond to adventure when it calls. To face the trials of the battles in our life with gratitude and courage, and to take pride in our reputation for strength, courage, and mastery. The Norse mythology is worth diving into, because life is short, and victory and honor, and the best life possible, are the reward for warriors like you that take your life by the reins and go all out and crush it while having a blast. This section is all about the story of the Valkyries and Valhalla. How the most courageous and masterful Viking warriors would be chosen by Odin to join the ranks in the afterlife. Vikings would go all out in battle, hoping that their courage, strength, and mastery would gain the attention and favor of the gods, and that they would meet their end in a blazing glory and be honored to sit at the god Odin's table as an honored guest, hand chosen to fight on the spiritual plane for the gods in the metaphysical last battle to save the universe. It kind of puts things into perspective and encourages us to embrace the test as warriors and live the life we have to the fullest, being the best warriors that we can be. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read. But as you let go of the day and its struggles, and prepare for the well-deserved rest you have before you, you're invited to place yourself there, in the battles, in the frigid mountains of the north, in the times since long past, and allow your inner warrior to be encouraged to go all out 
and continue to live your life to the fullest. Let the story of the Valkyries and Odin's warriors feed your warrior spirit to embrace the challenge, accept the impermanence of everything, and continue on your path to be the badass warrior hero you really are and save the world. So relax and enjoy. Before we look into the story of the Aesir gods, let's take a look at how the book explains the Aesir. Aesir, spirits, the Norse gods whose cult was brought to the north by an Indo-European tribe from the east. The emphasis of the cult was definitely masculine, and the virtues it exalted had to do with preserving the honor of one's name avenging the death of any kinsman, and waging war with ferocious courage. The long hair of the Aesir gods was considered a sign of manly power. That being said, let's get into it. When the last ice age came to an end, the great glaciers that capped northern Europe melted, uncovering a barren, rugged land. On the heels of the withdrawing ice, came reindeer, wolves, bears, and foxes. They were pursued by hunters. These men were forever struggling against frost giants, the cold-hearted spirits of the mountains and glaciers. But they found shelter in the valleys, where the meadows grew lush and forests grew dense and deep. For thousands of years, the beasts and the men who hunted them roamed throughout the north. Then from the east burst a tribe of fierce horsemen. They stormed westward, settling new lands as they went. Led by a hulking one-eyed chieftain, they spurred their horses on, until at long last they were stopped by the crashing waves of the North Sea. They could go no farther, so they settled and made the land theirs. Life in the north was hard for these new settlers. The frost giants sent bitter storms howling down from the mountains. Wild beasts, trolls, and evil spirits lurked in the pathless forest, and cruel mermaids wrecked their ships. But the settlers were tough, and they were protected by their own gods, the Asir who would come with them from faraway lands. First among the Aesir gods was Odin, ruler of the gods and men. His realm was made up of nine worlds, the worlds of the dead, of fire, of gnomes, of men, of giants, of elves, and the Vanir gods, of the Aesir gods and the world with the roof of glittering stars, where all good souls would one day meet. Through all these nine worlds grew the ash tree, Yggdrasil. Only as long as this tree flourished was the reign of the Aesir fated to last. Like plants, beasts, and men, the Aesir gods too one day must die. A thousand years ago, when Christianity conquered the north, 
the Aesir gods perished. They met their destiny on the day of Ragnarok, when they and the monsters of mountains and glaciers destroyed each other. Soon, they were almost forgotten in most of the lands where they had been worshipped. All that remained of them were fragments and folklore, and a few of their names that had been given to the days of the week. Tuesday, for Tyr, ancient god of the sword. Wednesday, or Woden's day. Thursday is Thor's, and Friday is the day of Freya, goddess of love. Though the Dutch, Germans, Franks, and Saxons forgot these old gods in their battles with ice monsters, the Norse did not. Through the long winter nights, Norsemen, young and old, would gather around their smoky fires in their long halls to hear the stories and songs of their bards. To keep the trolls and giants away, they used to paint Thor's hammer on their barn doors, and the dragon's head carved on their church portals were there to frighten away the heathen spirits. To this day, in lonely valleys, the people may tell of meetings with trolls and gnomes and other strange creatures of the past. On the outlying island of Iceland, where volcanoes and glaciers stand side by side, the memory of the ancient Asir gods was kept alive longer than anywhere else. Passed on, word by word, from father to son, these stories were at last written down in two books, the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. The Poetic Edda is a collection of Old Norse verse set down in the 10th and 11th centuries. The Prose Edda, a collection of myths and fanciful tales, was written by Snorri Sturson about the year 1200. From these two great Icelandic books and from the scattered folklore and songs, we know today how the ancient Norsemen thought the world of their ancestors was created, how it flourished, and how it came to an end. The Aesir god Odin and his brother Loki had managed to swindle an eight-legged horse from one of the ice giants. And Odin needed such a horse to take him like a storm wind from Asgard to the battlefields on Earth. There were many battlefields, for just as the gods had fought in holy Asgard, men were fighting on Earth. They fought each other for gold. They fought each other for land. They fought each other for fun. And Odin was no longer only the great Allfather and the wise wanderer. He was also the furious god of the storm and war as well. Then he was called Eeg, the terrible one. When he was seen in the gray light of dawn, racing his eight-legged steed over the towering clouds, people knew that somewhere a bloody battle would soon be fought. Both armies would be calling loudly to Odin, praying for the victory that he alone could give. With his single eye flashing under a golden helmet and his huge body wrapped in a coat of mail, Odin would arrive at the battlefield. He would quickly decide who was to win, and then he would throw his spear 
the Gundnir, over the host that must lose. He always tried to make the better warrior win, but sometimes it was a hard choice, especially when good men were fighting one another. Odin was followed by a band of tall and handsome warrior maidens, clad in shining armor, with the winged helmets on their heads. As they stormed through the clouds, their swords gleamed like lightning, and the foam from their panting steeds fell to the ground as hail. They were the Valkyries, Odin's maidens. Most of them were from Asgard, daughters of goddesses. But once in a while, Odin was so taken by the brave spirit of the maiden on earth that he let her join the ranks of the Valkyries. They did not go to Asgard to live, but Odin gave them lovely white cloaks of swan's feathers so that they could fly around Midgard, even when there were no battles raging. Proud was the hero who got a Valkyrie for a wife. The Valkyries chose who would die in battle and brought the dead heroes up to Asgard. There, they lived a life of glory in Odin's guesthouse, Valhalla. Odin foresaw that sooner or later, a final battle between the Asir gods and the forces of destruction would have to be fought, and he wanted a great army of good soldiers at his side. And so, it was that, during a battle, a warrior would feel a light tap on his shoulder. Turning, he would see a maiden with a winged helmet, and then he would know that he had been chosen as one of Odin's heroes. With reckless fury, he would leap forward to bring down as many of the enemy as he could until he himself fell in battle. Then the Valkyrie would sweep his fallen body from the ground, throw him across her saddle, and ride with him to Asgard, while far down below the galloping hooves of her horse, the earth faded away. In Asgard, the horse would alight in a grove where all the trees bore leaves of gold. The leaves would twinkle merrily as the Valkyrie led her hero up the well-trodden path to Valhalla. And if the hero had acted with great valor, Odin himself would offer a welcoming drink of sweet mead. Then the warrior would be led into the hall to take his seat among Odin's heroes and lead a life of riotous feasting and fighting. Valhalla was the greatest of all buildings. It was so big that one could hardly see the opposite wall. 540 doors could be flung open, each of them so enormously wide that almost a thousand men could march through side by side. Strong spears held up the roof, which was shingled with round shields. The walls of the hall were hung, not with soft tapestries, but with coats of mail and helmets. A long fire blazed down the middle of the hall, and on the benches that lined it, on both sides, there was room for thousands upon thousands of Odin's heroes. There was never a lack of space for a newcomer in Valhalla. The Valkyries rushed about, keeping the heroes' platters filled with food 
and their drinking horns overflowing with beer and sweet mead. There was no end to the heroes eating and drinking. A strange goat lived on the roof of Valhalla, grazing on the branches of an overhanging tree. Instead of milk, mead flowed from her udder, so much mead that the kettles put out to catch it could barely be kept from overflowing. However heartily the heroes drank, a great hog kept them well supplied with fresh meat. Every morning, the hog was butchered, boiled, and devoured. At night, it would be alive again, to be butchered the next morning and eaten again. Nothing tasted better to the tongues of dead heroes than fresh pork. At the north wall of Valhalla was Odin's seat of honor, and there he sat when he came to the feast with the heroes. Near him sat four of his sons, Tyr and Hod, Vidar and Vali, war gods all. Tyr ate with his left hand, since Fernis the wolf had bitten off his right hand. He was the bravest of the brave, and he urged men to war. Hod, who was very strong, was blind, and he led raging warriors into bloody battles. When the feasting was over and Odin had retired, the heroes rolled over and went to sleep on benches strewn with fresh hay. In the morning, the golden cock that perched on Valhalla's roof roused them with his crowing. The heroes woke up in a quarrelsome mood. They chewed toadstools to get themselves into a raging frenzy. Then, as wild berserkers, they jumped up from the benches reaching for their coats of mail and weapons, and rushed out to fight one another on the field of Ida. It was no sham battle. Every hero fought furiously, and soon the huge field was strewn with heads and limbs. But when the dinner bell rang, they all picked up their pieces, put them back where they belonged, and streamed through the wide doors of Valhalla. There, they settled down for another feast, and once again, they were the best of friends. Thus, the heroes kept trim and fit and had a glorious time while they were at it.